Happy Sabbath, everyone. Hey, really good to see all of you guys. Doesn't it feel like I haven't seen you guys in forever? Okay, only me. Uh, I was down in LA, so I didn't get to see you guys during the week. So for me, it just seems like it's, it's been a really, really long time. Uh, so good to see all of you guys. Uh, all the guests that have come, welcome all of you guys as well. Uh, I have a very, very serious question that I want to ask you guys. Okay? Do you guys ever... Look at the mirror, okay, maybe in the morning or whenever. Like, do you guys ever look in the mirror and ever think, what would I look like if I shaved my head? <laughs> David, everybody said David every day? David? Yeah? You guys ever think that way before? Like, you guys look at yourself in the mirror and think, how would I look like if I shaved my head? So... Uh, don't be surprised by the picture. This is me a long time ago, and I shaved my head. Uh, James, can we have the computer up? Okay, that's me. This was in 2005. You know what's really interesting about this picture, by the way? This was actually taken in Sacramento Church. Yeah, it was in 2005. Okay, anyways... So that's how I look. How do you think you would look if you shaved your head? Anybody? Who raised their hand? If you, some of you guys? Okay. So I selected a few church members to see how they would look. Uh, so please do not be offended. Uh, this is what Aaron would look like. <laughs> uh, I wanted to pick a girl, but uh, I didn't want to make them cry. So I picked the one, I picked the one, uh, you can't really see who it is. It's covered. All right. Uh, okay, so the reason for that uh, story is because I want to tell you about uh, one of my friends who came up to me and he had shaven his head. Uh, I'm going to switch the picture, so... <laughs> okay, I'll just switch it to this one. All right. Um, so this friend came up to me, shaved their head, and I said, whoa, that's a new look. What's going on? And that person said, the reason why I shaved my head, actually, is not just because I didn't want to take a shower, okay? But I was reading the Bible, and there's a verse in 1 Samuel where David is... Oh, actually, uh, God is talking to Samuel... And he says to Samuel, humans, you men, you guys look at the outer appearance. And that's how you judge people. But God looks at the heart. So he said he was doing devotional, and he was, uh, he was uh, meditating upon that thought, that verse. And he said, oh man, I need to stop caring about my look so much. So he shaved his head. 
cool, right? Couple, uh, we were talking, we were hanging out, and we were talking about something, and this is when we were both single. And I was talking to him, and I was like, hey, are you still talking to that one girl that you were talking to? And he actually says, oh, you know, actually, like, like her personality is, like, super awesome, and I think we match really well, but, like, I don't, I don't think I can, like, she's not, really not that pretty, so I don't think I can do it. How many of you guys are offended by that story? Any of you guys? Whenever I tell this story, especially the ladies, they get super duper offended. Okay? But guys are like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> um, but the reason why I want to tell you that story is because we, we do that all the time. Right? We say certain things. We want to achieve certain things, but for some reason, our action never matches. And this is the crazy thing about this story. It's like this guy who's saying, hey, I'm willing to shave my head because I don't care about looks anymore. I don't want to care about that. But at the same time, we see him going back on his words and saying, dude, I would never date her because I don't think she's pretty to me. And so this is why we started our series. And so if this is your first time coming, uh, this is actually the end of our series, but we called our series Head to Heart. And we said the journey from here to here, it's the hardest thing ever. Okay? And so the subtitle is called The Hardest 18-inch Journey because that's the average distance from your head to your heart. And we said... It's so easy for us to know stuff. We know that we shouldn't eat certain things. We know that relationships are more important. We know that connecting with God, it's going to refresh us. But to actually do those things, right? Actually, like, do it in action. Actually, really deep inside know this truth. Man, those are totally two different things. Just like this guy. It's so difficult. And so we've been talking about, well, how do we get there? How do we get from just the head knowledge to actually really experiencing God? How do we just go from, yeah, knowing prophecy, knowing all this information, but actually being relevant, having relevance, this information having relevance in our lives? Today's text, we're going to be reading from James chapter 2. And this is a very, very famous uh, verse. And all of you guys are probably familiar with it. I'm going to be reading from verse 14 through 26. This is the Word of God. What good is it, my brothers and sisters? If someone says he has faith, but he does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say to him, Go in peace, be warm and fed or filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, 
and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Good job. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active among with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and that it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see, that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from work is dead. This is the word of God. Now, I love this passage. The reason I love it is because I feel like as a pastor, I don't need to do a lot of stuff. Because the book of James, it already tells you very, very straightforward. There's nothing confusing about this verse. It basically says, you can say stuff all you want. It means absolutely nothing if it, leads, if it doesn't lead to action. The greatest thing about that is it even gives us illustrations. So I don't have to even come up with my own illustrations. It's a great, I mean, I don't even need to actually give you guys a sermon. Just, like, if I read this, like, three times, that will be the sermon. Like, this is, that's, in itself, it's great. But I'll talk about it. So James is making it very, very easy and very clear. He's just saying, hey, you can know a lot of stuff. But it means absolutely nothing. You're just being hypocrite. Uh, there's two different signs to see whether you are being a hypocrite, whether your faith is actually dead or not. And it's going to talk about two different categories. And we're going to go over both of them. The first one that he talks about is this. He says, if you see a brother or sister poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and you do nothing about it. Now, it's interesting. It doesn't just say anybody. It doesn't just say strangers, right? It actually uses the word brother or sister, which means it's talking really about the people that are closest to you. Okay, people who you're saying, I love you. Okay, people you're actually saying, I care about you. Okay, this is not really talking about people who are homeless. Of course, there's other verses in the Bible where we need to take care of them and people who are unfortunate. But this, is, this verse is actually really talking about our own family members, our actually church members. So imagine, you have a kid, and you go, Mom, Dad, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And you go, oh, you're hungry? Oh, I wish you could get full, and just goes home. Like, just goes, just goes to work. You did absolutely nothing for that person. And this is exactly what James is trying to say. He's saying, the people closest to you, you're actually saying these things. I love you, I love you, I care for you, you're important to me. But you do absolutely nothing, what would you think? You would say that relationship is fake. 
And that's exactly what James is trying to get at. He's saying, you would never do this to your wife, your husband, your kids. How is it that you can say, I love you, God. I care for you, God. I believe in God. But there's nothing to show it. You don't even spend time with him. You don't even talk to him. How is it possible for you to say, I love God? How is it possible for you to say, I believe that he actually came down for me and died for me? It doesn't make sense. And that's what James is saying. He continues on. So, also by faith itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. And so this is a test for us to see whether our faith in God is real or not. Whether you want to see if your faith in God is actually genuine or if it's just motivated by something else. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later because we can do religious things but not necessarily do it because we actually believe in it. We can be doing it out of fear of judgment or because we want to avoid something. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But we're going to see that James gives us two different tests to see whether our faith is really, really genuine or not. The first one is when you see people at church, when you see people who are close to you and they're going through a struggle, okay, are you able to feel compassion and empathy for them? And are you willing to help these people? Because it's easy just, just to say, oh yeah, I am a parent, so I should do this. Or this is my wife and this is my husband. Yeah, so I should. Oh, this is my church member, so I should. But it's out of obligation. It's not really out of real sheer joy, but it's out of like, nah, this is what I should do. Or I feel guilty if I don't do this. And so the first way to understand whether our faith is true or not Again, is the way we deal with other people. Especially people who are the closest to us. It says in John, 1 John, it talks about this whole idea of if you're saying you love God, yet you have hatred, bitterness, resentment towards other people, love of God is not in you. And this is exactly what James is saying. You're holding on to your bitterness, you're holding on to your resentment. You're holding on to people's mistakes and flaws. The love of God is not in you. Your faith is dead. You're just faking it. Second test is this. Again, this is such a great illustration. I wish James was here just giving the sermon. It's so amazing. He says, you believe that God is one. Great. So what? Okay? Demons, Satan... They believe that too. Good job. People say, I was reading through a commentary, and it says, demons, they know more than even us. Why? Because they went to the best school ever. They went to the greatest seminary, which is heaven. They saw God. They know God. They know how even God operates. They know how great God is. 
they know how fearful God is, yeah, and also they know how much love God has as well. But again, it means absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing just by having this right knowledge. Now, I know two weeks ago we talked about how both of these are important. Now, I'm not trying to say, yeah, you know, stop, stop studying the Bible and start doing stuff. No, you need to study your Bible. You need to have a good theology. Yet, we need to understand that if we just have right theology alone, it means absolutely nothing. Why? Because even demons, they have a correct view of God. They don't just go up to God and say, hey, God. No, when they go up in front of God, they, sh- they get fearful because they know who God is. But yet, they're... They have no relationship with God. And this is how a lot of religious people are at. Okay? This is where a lot of religious people, this is where they're at. They're, they know stuff. Right? They think, oh, if I go to heaven, what they're going to give me is a test. Okay? What is the Trinity? Write down in two paragraphs. Okay, I, I got this. Okay? 1844 prophecy. Tell me. Oh, yeah. No, it's not going to be a written test. It's not going to be about how much you know. If that was the case, demons would be in heaven as well. So that's not the case. Instead, it is really about having a relationship. I said that a lot of us are here. In what ways am I talking about? It's easy for us to do stuff Motivated by fear. Right? What if I don't go to heaven? What if God doesn't remember me? And so what we do is we create this business mentality and we go, okay, I got to do stuff for God. Then when I get there, I'm going to be like, look at all the stuff I did, God. You've got to let me into heaven. So we do things out of fear of judgment. Or sometimes we do things because we want to avoid our guilt and shame. Right? We go, have you, like for example, like you break something or you're mean to your wife, you feel so bad and so you treat them nicer. And that's, that's the kind of like things that we always do. We go, oh, God, I feel really bad because I did this. What if I go to church? Oh, I feel a little bit better. Oh, I'll pray. I'll feel a little bit better. Oh, I'll be nice to this person. I'll volunteer. I feel better about myself. It's this mechanical relationship where you have the knowledge of God, but the action itself, it's not motivated by love. It's motivated out of fear. It's motivated by guilt and shame. But this verse is very hopeful because it actually gives us what it looks like to have real faith and real works. Um, in verse 24, actually 23, uh, I don't have it on the screen. In verse 23, it says this, Abraham, what does it say? He was called the friend of God. You see, Abraham, he understood. He understood that it was about a relationship. It wasn't out of fear. It wasn't out of obligation. It wasn't out of shame. He understood 
that this was a relationship. And so this is the second way we understand whether to see, second test to see whether our faith is true or not. What was the first one? First one, how we deal with people. Our attitude towards people. Second is our attitude towards God. Because if our attitude is, I just know stuff about God, but I fear Him, and it's a business transaction, then that faith is dead. That, those actions are even dead. But to have a friendship, to keep in mind that this is a relationship. So this is the difference. False obedience, and I, I'm just um, uh, like wrapping up what I told you guys already. False faith is obedience because of what you can get out of it. Right? And what you can avoid. Punishment, hell, guilt. But true faith wants wants friendship with God. It longs for God. False faith, you can see power of God, greatness of God, holiness of God, wisdom, but you never see the loveliness of the relationship. It's just a business transaction. What can I get from you? It's never the relationship itself. There's no loveliness. There's no longing and desire to get to know this God deeper. But true faith, you want to follow them. You want to obey. Why? Because it's that person. And all of us understand this. This is not, this is not anything new or complicated, right? We know this is how we treat other people as well. I'll give you an example. I'm not going to say who, but someone who lives with us, okay, <laughs> that eliminates it to three people, is deeply, deeply in love. That maybe eliminates the two, maybe one or two. <laughs> deeply in love. Can I share this, Stephen? Is it okay? <laughs> I'm sorry in advance. Like, so crazy, okay? <laughs> There's so many stories, but I'll just, <laughs> I'll just give one. I'm sorry, Stephen. I, I should have asked you permission before asking. Yeah. But I feel like this is such a great example. Okay. Like, how many of you guys like running? Like, not a lot of, most of us, we're not like, I'm going to run for fun, right? But if I forced you, if I said, you run and I'll do stuff for you, right? You're gonna, you might run. If I say, I'll give you $100 if you run two miles, you guys might do it. But as you're running, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be miserable. You're going to be thinking about how it hurts you as you're running. Steven. <laughs> so his girlfriend, who's in Southern California, she was running like 5K or something, right? You know what Stephen does? He's like, I want to run with you. But, so, but schedule doesn't work out. He can't go to Southern California. So he says, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll run on my own. And I'll talk to you while I'm running. <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> now we go, 
and love. That's what you could do for love. What I'm saying is you could run the same exact distance. You can do the same exact action, but if you're motivated, if you're motivated by fear, if you're motivated just by what you can get, it's going to be miserable. It's going to be like, oh, I'll do it, but it means absolutely nothing. And this is how a lot of us are doing Christianity. This is how we view Christianity. We go, I'll just do stuff. I'll teach, fine, I'll teach Sabbath school. Fine, I'll lead praise. Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll act like I care about people. Why? Because I, if I don't, I might, I might get sent down to hell. But imagine what it would look like if you're actually saying, no, I really love God and I really want to be with God. And because of that, I want to serve other people. I want to do these things. And that's why James is saying, stop, stop it. Stop this dead faith. You're not doing anything. It's not going to help anybody. It's only going to destroy you. It's dead. Instead, understand that this is a relationship. And the greatest, the greatest motivation for this is again, is when we look at Jesus. Because we see Jesus who is willing to give up everything to have actually wanting a relationship with us. He's willing to say, I'll give up everything. I'll give up all this, all this stuff, all this glory for sake of you. Just so that I can have a relationship with you. So look at your faith. Look at your life. Look at the two tests. When you serve people, when you serve God, what are you motivated by? Is it out of fear? Is it out of punishment? Is it out of guilt? James says, that's as good as that. Instead, we need to be, we need to see God for who He is. We need to, like Stephen, like just be in love so that we're saying, how can I not do this for her? And same thing. That's what God wants. God is willing, God is wanting to say, this is how much I love you. This is what I'm willing to do for you. Do you understand that? The reason I started this series is with, with any other series, it's, it's because I talk to you guys. The reason why I started talking about money is because I talk to you guys and I see that some of you guys are not good financially or maybe not doing well spending God's money. We talked about conflicts. Why? Again, because I felt like some of you guys were having relational problems. I started this series. Why? Because I felt like a lot of you guys, you knew stuff, but you're not implementing. You're not growing in your faith. You're okay saying, oh, I'll just be a baby. I'll be a baby Christian. I'll be okay not implementing. I'll just know stuff. There's people who have left our church because they're not implementing. They're not willing to forgive. They're not willing to apply these things. There are people who have left 
and become atheists and become disenchanted with Christianity because of what Christians do. We say one thing, like my bald friend, my shaved head friend, they don't act. I'll give you, um, let me just end with this. I'll give you three examples of what I think, three examples of what I've seen of people in our church actually trying to, not just say I know stuff, but actually go forward and in action. And hopefully I, I, I pray that it'll be an encouragement for you and to also see, huh, these are maybe some of the things that I can do, I can start implementing in my life. Example number one um, is... Uh, Grace told me a story. Uh, right now she's at um, UC Berkeley studying for a PhD, and she's also working on the side. Uh, she's working at a cafeteria. And, I mean, long story short, she was just doing the dirty work, right? Work that other people didn't really want to do. And her friends, her classmates were saying, dude, your boss is making you do this stuff? And she's like, I mean, I'm working, I'm getting, you know, like, this is okay, it's not, a bit, it's not beneath me. And her friends were able to say, wow, like that humbleness that I see in you. So that's an example of someone who's willing to say, I know God tells me to humble myself. I know God tells me to put myself at, at last. But someone who's actually doing it. Another example is Isaiah. Uh, he's going to UC Davis right now. And if you guys know Isaiah, uh, he, he's very uh, um, quiet uh, in nature. Right? And he, he would also say to himself that he's an introvert. But this year, he has said, you know what? I want to put myself out there. Because I want to share God's love. But he knows that he can't just do it in silence. He has to meet new people. So what he has decided to do is he has decided to put himself out there and make friends. Just say hi to people. Hi to strangers. And again, it's not easy. It's not in his personality. He's not like outgoing and meeting it. No, that's not him. Yet, he's saying, I want to take a step forward. I don't want to just know the stuff. I want to actually do it. Third example. Is uh, Stephen. He asked me, he said, can I take your camping chairs? So he went, out, he went out to Sacramento downtown. And he made a sign. Prayer for free. And he just sat there for an hour. Looking like a dummy, right? But again... I asked him, why, why are you doing that? Again, his whole idea is, God has given me so much. How can I just stand here and do nothing? God has been convicting me to do something like this for a while. So now I want to go and do it. Now, I'm not telling all of you guys to go out. But what, I'm, what God is calling you is to step forward. What God is calling you is, if you know this stuff, step forward. So 
all of us, we're in different journeys of life. All of us, we have different personalities. All of us, we have different limitations. Yet, God calls each and every one of us to not just know God's love, not to just understand God's love, but to go forward. So for some of you guys, it's to forgive. For some of you guys, it's to spend more time with God. For some of you guys, it's to do the right thing at work. When it's, when it's easy, just to avoid it. For some of you guys, it's to do the dirty work. That's beneath us. What is God calling you to do? How has God convicted you for the last, maybe last year, last month, maybe even this week, or even through this sermon? How is God calling you to step forward? Let me just end with this verse. James chapter 1, 25. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but they are doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. These are not easy things. If it was easy, we'll be doing it probably. These are not comfortable things, because if it was comfortable, we'll be doing it. God calls us into the unknown. God calls us to obey, despite our bitterness and our hatred. Why? Because He knows that we're going to find true freedom in His obedience. As we go into our reflection time, I want you to think, what is God calling me to do? And also, pray, pray that God gives you not His will, and of course, which is important, but I think we know what His will is, but for God to give us the courage to actually move out and do these things. Let us pray.